We are talking about the miracle of mercy. And the father of fathers, he has a heart full of mercy for you and for me. So let's stand a moment. Let's go to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to read a couple of verses. Do we have children's church today or no? Not today? Okay. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read from verses 11 through 24. I'll read it from the New Living uh, King James. I mean, the New King James Version. The New King James Version. I love Almighty God, the way He treats us. He says to us in 2 Corinthians 6.18, you don't have to go there, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Wow. So He wants to be a father to us. Not just God to us. He wants to be a father. When Jesus prayed, he said, "Our pray this way, our father who art in heaven. So we could treat him as a father, as a good, benevolent, kind, merciful father. Hallelujah. And the greatest lie out there is that God's a cuckoo, a bad God, a horrible God. No, he's a loving heavenly father. We're the ones that get ourselves in trouble here on earth by all the decisions we make. By wanting to run away from Heavenly Father. By wanting to do our own thing. And then later on when we bust our face against the wall, then we look at God and say, Oh God, why would you permit that? You did it. I give you free will. You went and you made the decision. You knew it was wrong. You knew you were taking chances. Our problem is we love to push the envelope. We love it. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do because we know better. That's until we slam into the wall. Then we realize, oh my God. You know what I found? The older I get, the more I realize that I don't know. When I was 19, I knew it all. Now I don't know what happened. I don't know so much. <laughs> Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. Then he said, Jesus talking. This was Jesus teaching. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So the father divided to them his livelihood. Let me stop there just a second. Just want to look at something there. It irks me to even have to read this, that this young man went to the father, had the gall, had the nerve to tell him, give me what belongs to me. Huh? The father worked it. He's the one that did the business. He's the one that went out there and, and created the finances. And now the son comes up, give me what belongs to me. Tú sabes lo que tú necesitas. Tú necesitas un buen correo lo que tú necesitas. Don't get me upset now. That's what you need. You need one of these. Anyway, continue to read. <clears throat> so he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Another thing, let me stop right there. I also have found that if you give children money just like that, without teaching them first the value, they will go and waste it. They didn't work for it, so they don't care. You know, my, my son, years ago he told me this. He said, Dad, do you know how expensive candy is now? <laughs> while I was buying it, while the refrigerator was, so you just go up there, whap, 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 and that's it. Didn't think twice about it. But when he went out there and started working and he started 
putting some value on those dollars that he was earning and he went to the store, he would get absolutely offended at the storekeeper. He said, why are you charging so much for this, man? That's a dollar fifty. I could go across, I could get it for a dollar over there. I said, look at my man, he's starting to understand value now. <laughs> yeah, so you don't give an inheritance to an ignorant person. You first teach them the value. And then you can start trusting. And then you don't give them the whole thing. You give them little by little so they could practice and learn. You teach a child, even as the age of our children here today, you teach them what it is to put money away in the bank, to, to how to invest it. Teach them how to take a dollar and make another dollar with it. We're, we're, we're consumer oriented. The minute we get a dollar, it's gone in 10 minutes. No, you teach them. Take the dollar. Don't spend the dollar. Use it as seed. Invest it. Make another dollar. And then you can spend 50 cents on that. Then take dollar 50 and invest in that. That's how you teach them. And if you teach them that way, they'll never go broke. They'll always have more and more and more for their, for their future families. I get no amens on that. Wow. All right. See, after he wasted all his possessions, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land. And then he began to be in want. In other words, he became hungry. He needed. He had nothing left over. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent them into the fields to feed swine or pigs. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. In other words, the pig food. But no one gave him anything. <clears throat> and then when he came to himself. Say with me, when he came to himself. See, so when he started to realize the truth of his condition, when he started to realize what he actually had done, when he came to himself, he said this, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish here with hunger? I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Then he said, make me like one of your hired servants. He came to the conclusion that he was ready to change, and he said, make me like one of your hired servants. <clears throat> then he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us all eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but he is now found. And they began to be merry. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word. We praise you for your word, for your love, your grace, your tender mercies. I pray the Holy Spirit teach us today, show us. Lord, reveal to us your truths, my God, that we might understand your love for us and your mercy for us. How wonderful and perfect the Father you are. And help us, Lord God, that we might mirror that to our family and our friends and our communities, oh God. We thank you for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence. It's good to see each and every one of you. Hallelujah. Father's Day. Mm, amazing. 
Jesus saved us, not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins. He gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. That's written in Titus 3.5. So it's actually a verse. It says, he saved us, not because of the good things we did. See, so there's a lie out there that says you've got to become good to be able to go to church. You've got to become good. You've got to fix yourself up before you go to church. No, no, no. Just come to church. Come to his presence because he doesn't save you because you did good. He saved you because he loves you. So say to your neighbor, he loves you. you. Say to somebody else, he loves you. you. Amen. On another occasion, he said this in Luke 19. I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. Now, to me, when you read that, that implies that lostness has value. A person that's lost has value. Why would I go to seek something if it didn't have value? In that particular chapter where I read about the prodigal son, it also talks about somebody that had lost 10, uh, out of 10 coins, they lost one coin. And they went crazy looking for that coin because it had great value. Because apparently the 10 coins had to be presented for a business proposition. You know, something about family, something about uh, marriage. Very important, the 10 coins. So when she lost one coin... It messed up the plan. You couldn't present nine coins. It had to be ten coins. So it was very precious. So it was lost, right? The coin. So did the coin have no value? Why was she looking for it? Because it had great value. See, so when God is seeking us, what does that imply? See? What about the sheep? There, there were a hundred sheep. One gets lost. So now the shepherd leaves all the sheep in the pen, goes out seeking that sheep until he finds them. What does that imply? Value. We are valuable. To understand that. Oh, lost souls, lost souls. No, listen. They are precious to God. God loves each and every one of them. He loves each and every one of us. We are precious to him. Who's the one that... That, that ascribes value. I don't get it sometimes. We value things sometimes that nobody else cares about. I can go to your house right now and I'll knock something down and you'll, you'll get offended for 10 years. And I say, what's the big deal, man? Right? And you go, oh my God, oh, that's irreplaceable. You don't understand. It has value to you. Why? Because like 30 years ago, uh, your mother baked a little cake in it and something like that. And, and you, you just, you know, it's special to you. It provides worth. So who's to say who's valuable or who's not? It's all in the eye of the beholder. Now, according to God, he says you and I are valuable. Why am I going to argue with that? Why do so many of us say, I'm not valuable, I'm not worth anything, we're nothing. No, we're valuable. So I, 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 I want to challenge the notion that, that the people out there, your friends, your family members, that they'll tell you you're nothing, you're, you're this, you're ugly, you're that, you're the other. You've got to stand up and say, no, 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 I'm very valuable. I don't care what my school friends say. Not friends if they're, telling, you know, if they're trying to mess you up. You know, all this bully, this junk. Right now, they're, they're not only bullying in school, they're bullying through Facebook. 
They're bullying through snap. What do you call that? Snap, crackle, and chop and pop. I don't know. There's so many of them. I just don't know. Huh? Snapchat. Okay, thank you. I, I, I'm just starting to get used to Facebook here, you know. And everybody say, "Oh, that's nothing." Now you got to go over here. I said, "No, I'm going to stay here for a couple of years." That's the way the older generation does stuff. <laughs> we get something, we park on it for a while. We value it, we value it exactly. <laughs> and not, not to mention, what am I going to do with my 500 friends? <laughs> if I get rid of them? <laughs> I don't know 410 of them, but you know. We have value according to God. So if according to God it has value, what does that mean? It has value, Period. So somebody tells you you have no value, what do you tell them? Excuse me, you're wrong. I have value. Right? Praise God. The prodigal son, he's the one that left his home. He's the one that left his protection. He's the one that left his father because he wanted to do it his way. He thought he could do it better. And then he had the nerve to take something precious that the father had worked and set aside just for him, for his future, for his family, for his future children, for the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren. He had set something aside to give him, you know, uh, some, some wind in his wings in the future. Right? He took that and just misspent it. He went, had a great time, not caring what happens in the future. So what ends up happening? He ends up getting into a place where he's lost. He lost so much. He lost all of his finance. He lost his inheritance. He lost his relationship in the house. He lost his relationship with his father, with his older brother. But he did that. It wasn't God that did that. We're the ones that put ourselves in situations that put us in precarious uh, circumstances. See, as long as you don't make a decision to do something, you're in charge. And you have potential to go one way or another. But the minute you make a decision, now you become a slave to that decision. Now you need to be responsible for that decision. And here's my problem with many people. Many people, they make a decision, they get in trouble, they don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want to take responsibility for it. They, get it, they want to blame other people for their situation Instead of owning up to it. I've learned something. I work with some very powerful people. They can fire me in a heartbeat. You know what I do? When I mess up, I call them and I tell them, my bad. I just finished messing up. I did this and this and this. How can I make it better? I find when you own up to something and you share it with your supervisors, they will say, oh, okay, yeah, there was a screw up. All right, fine. Well, we'll work through it. But if I hide it and I don't say anything, then if they have to find out, then you have penalties on top of penalties because now they're emotionally involved in being upset because you didn't say anything. You try to hide it. Right? And that's what happens with many today. They get themselves into a mess, but instead of acknowledging it, what do they do? They try to hide it or they try to blame shift. Not me, it's not my fault. Now, you know, so many people out there. And you know, unfortunately, that will never birth something good. It will always bring a harvest of disappointment, destruction, uh, breaking of relationships. See? 
Mistrust, absolutely. People won't, they won't be able to trust you. So what should we do? We should take responsibility for our actions, especially as adults. So we're coming into maturity. Salute. You're welcome. I appreciate that because you, 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 you try to hold that. Your hair stood on it for a moment. You, were, you know, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so what do I do or what do I lose when I'm spiritually lost? When I've gone my way, when I've pushed the father aside, what happens? Well, first thing is you lose your direction. The prodigal son lost his direction. The Bible says all of us have strayed away just like lost sheep. We've all left God's path and we follow our own ways. In Isaiah 53, 6. See, so first thing is we stray away from the truth. We become like lost sheep. The second thing is I lose God's direction. Because since I'm not hearing from him anymore, now I'm going my way. Anybody got lost and you just try to find your way just automatically? Huh? You're lost, a little lost. And if you don't get on that GPS right away, you become a lot lost. <laughs> That's bad English, but it's the truth. Last week, I wanted to go, um, I wanted to just take a ride, and I wanted to end up in a specific place in Brooklyn. Just take a ride. It was a beautiful day, and, and I got on my motorcycle, and I started riding. And I said, I'm going to do it by eyesight. And I went right into Queens a moment. I said, from Queens, I'll hit Brooklyn. And, and you know, after about 15 minutes, I went, so let me take this road. I went to that road. That led me to another road and led me to another road. And by the time I was in Ohio, <laughs> I realized that. Well, maybe not Ohio, but it just felt that way. So I said, all right. So I finally took out my phone, GPS. I said, whoa. I was like a clear cross on the other side of town. <laughs> I lost my way. I lost my way. And the truth of the matter is we lose our way when we get away from God's word, when we get away from our purpose, when we get away from the Heavenly Father. In Zechariah 10.2, it says, My people are wandering like lost sheep without a shepherd to protect and guide them. See, we need the shepherd. We need the Heavenly Father to protect and to guide us. And when we don't have that, we're left on, uh, you know, to our own design. And usually our design falls short of God's design for us. And the third thing, like a lost coin, right, we lose our potential because we have great value. When we get out there with all of that mess, it's fun. Everybody else is doing it. Yeah, but you, don't you understand? Behind the scenes, there's a lot of suffering. Behind the scenes, there's a lot of dis- disappointment. People, I can't stress to you enough. You get in drugs, your life is going to get destroyed. Right? You get into relationships that don't really care about you. Just You, know, just, you have to be careful. You're a queen, you're a king, right? You're a prince, you're a princess. Try to go hang out with Prince Williams or Prince Charles. Try to hang out with them. See how far you get. They're not going to let you get close to them. You know why? They have to watch who they hang out with. But so are you. You're a prince and a princess too. You need to be discerning. I don't want to feel, you know, I don't want to act like I'm stuck, stuck up. No, it's not that you're stuck up. It's you have value. And the problem is, not everybody will value you. Amen. You see, this man got away from his domain. He was the son of a very rich ruler. 
He goes broke, and now he connects with a guy. And what does the guy send him to do? Feed pigs? No, he did. That actually happened. But not with us. Right? Amen. I agree with you, brother. See, this is why I'm saying you have to know who you are to the degree when they come to you with that mess. No. That's not me. When some young man tries to take your stuff away and not honor you with a ring, no, that's not me. Right? How much money do you make? You have a good job? Are you going to take care of my kids well? You know? Are you, going to, are you going to give me a nice condominium? You know, you got to think about some stuff before you connect with people, right? You can't just hang out with just anybody. You can't just connect with just anybody. I'm, I'm getting very few amens, right? I got people now staring at me with, with weird eyes. No, that's the truth. You have to value yourself enough. And know, that I'm, I might not know everything, but I know my future is blessed because my Heavenly Father is there to guard, guide, and direct me. And for you young men right now, you young men that are growing up now, you have to understand you have value. You can hang out and have fun with the guys, but when they take you in a place that's going to destroy you, say no! Reject that lifestyle because it doesn't belong to you because you're the son of a king. You have value. You're precious. But the thing is, they don't know it. If you connect with them, they'll just, sell, they'll just send you to, to, to sell or, or provide food for pigs. In other words, they'll lower the call of God in your life. They'll lower your purpose. So you need to watch the people you spend time with. My God. You have value. 1 Corinthians 2.9 No one has ever seen or heard or imagined the wonderful things that God has prepared and arranged for those who love him. In Luke 15, 14, the youngest son wasted away all that had been given and eventually became miserable and lonely. So the fourth thing is, you lose your happiness. See, I serve God not because mom told me to serve God. I am connected with the Lord Jesus Christ because I love him. And he gives me purpose. He gives me joy. I love who I am in Christ, but my strength and my stability and my confidence is my relationship with him. I know who I am in him. I'm a prince in him. I can do all through Christ. Oh, oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I had to correct that one there. Amen? That's what gives me my happiness. That's what gives me my stability. That's what releases my potential. That's what gives me continual direction. Hallelujah. Amen. And then the other thing, the, the fifth thing, because unfortunately as human beings, we, we love to wander. We have a tendency, a penchant to wander. We have pro, a proclivity of wandering. And unfortunately, our wandering nature many times separates us from God. And then we create circumstances in our life that also separate us from God. And many times we make choices that separate us from God. So the fifth thing we learn, we lose, or that we, the fifth thing that we lose is we lose our home in heaven. You don't want to lose your home in heaven. That's the most precious thing. Jesus said, I'm going to make a place for you, to create a home for you, so that where I am, you can be also. In Luke 9.25 it says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world if he loses his soul? 
Give me a Bentley, but take my soul away. No, you could keep your Bentley. I'm serious. Today, I was driving, my wife and I, from, from our home in Pennsylvania. We were riding to the church, and I would look every once, once in a while, look around, and I would see the older guys. The guys my age and a little older, they're the ones with the Mercedes, they're the ones with the Lamborghinis, they're the ones with the Ferraris, most of them, right? And, and really fancy cars, ones with, uh, they just have everything. You look at it, I just go to my wife, nice car, <laughs> you know? Um, but, you know, I look at them, you know, they might have some disposable income. I don't, I don't have that. But you know something? I don't need it. To, to be happy, my relationship with God makes me happy. Yeah, all the, all the, all the guys, except, except for Minister Mickey. She, she, she's young, and she still has her Ferrari, so she's all right. But some of these guys, they just, you know, they're going in through their... You know, she's had one for many, many years. But make no mistake about it, she takes care of it. Porsche? It's not a Jaguar. It's not a Jaguar. A Jaguar. It's a Jaguar. That commercial, that, ah, Jaguar. No. She's gone? Did we do a burial service for the Jaguar? <laughs> I'm so sorry. But listen, but you enjoyed it. You enjoyed it all the years, right? Amen, amen. But the point is, her happiness is Christ. Her stability is Christ. And, you know, as we can afford and save and prepare properly for our stuff, then, we, you know, we get the stuff we want. Not first. Right? If I'm dirt broke, I'm not going to put $350 sneakers on my credit card. I'm not going to do it because I can't afford it. Because it's no longer $350 now. It's going to be $1,000 by the time you finish paying it off. So I save it, save my money, 150 bucks. Now I'll go cash. Pangana. Now give me my sneakers. Although I never wear sneakers, but I leave it to people like Nate or some people like that. You know? <laughs> Nate, Nate, has, Nate has every sneaker ever made under the sun, every color. He's got, he's got sneakers that actually talk to you. <laughs> if he wants to make a call or he does go like that, he goes, yeah. Just amazing. He's got sneakers, he just presses a button here and he rides them to work. He's the man, I tell you, amazing. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> How does God's mercy save me? How does his mercy save me? First and foremost, salvation rescues me. It rescues all of us from ourselves. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.5, Jesus is the only one who can bring us to God. See, I don't care what the world says. See, everybody has an opinion. And many people are angry at God because they're saying, oh, who, who are you to say that it's only through Jesus? Uh, God? <laughs> yeah? God says it's through Jesus. See? So we have to, you know, it, it bothers me when we have the nerve to tell God how he's supposed to do his business. But yet we on this earth realm, when we make a decision, don't mess with our decision. It has to be our way or the highway, Right? But when it's God, oh no, if, if, if that can't be God, uh, well, <clears throat> uh, the Bible disagrees with you. Faith through Christ, that's how we get connected to Almighty God, to our Heavenly Father. 
It says, Jesus is the only way who can bring us to God. He has become, he became a human and gave himself to rescue all of us. 1 Timothy 2, 5. And what many people don't understand is that in the Old Testament, they would do sacrifices. They would, they would uh, present uh, sheep to Almighty God, and God would forgive their sin. But Jesus became the Lamb of God, and it was one sacrifice for all eternity. Why? Because Jesus, who is God, sitting at the right hand of the Father, decided to come to earth, become man. Why? Because in the beginning when God created man, God says, you're in charge here on earth. You are my agent. You are my ambassador. You're the one that's in charge. I make you in charge of this earth. Anything that happens on this earth, man is in charge. Right? What happened? Man messed up. Adam handed it over to the enemy. Right? So now the enemy's in charge. So God looked for man. The man had to be perfect. The man had to be absolutely righteous. The man had to be sinless. Anybody on earth that tried to do anything on their own merits, they would mess it up. So Jesus became the son of man. God in the flesh. He was born. Yeah, but he's also tainted with the sin, right? He's a man. He can sin like everybody else. No. He was the only man in history who the father was almighty God. Because Mary was still a virgin when she became pregnant. Who did the seed come from? The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she became pregnant. That was a divine act of God. Who was born? Son of God, son of man. Now, while he lived on this earth, he lived the perfect life. He didn't sin. He was sinless. So when he went on the cross, he died for all of us. But interesting, because even though he was God, he was man. So he took our place on that cross, and he represents all of mankind as a man. So when we accept Jesus as our Savior, what we're actually doing is we're going through Jesus to the Heavenly Father. Because that's the only perfect lamb, the perfect man, that was able to restore what man had lost on earth. What man lost, man had to restore. Why? Well, God could do anything. Let me go back to the beginning. God said, man is in charge. When God utters a word, it becomes law. So in the earth realm, man is in charge. And when God is going to do something on earth, he put the law himself. So God always honors his own law. So when he's going to deal in earth matters, he always works with a man. When he's going to do a great thing on earth, he'll always work through a man. Conversely, when the devil's going to work, he fills a man with hate, with anger, so he can work through man. See, because not even the devil can roam in these streets and do whatever he wants. He has to work through man. Why? Because man is in charge. Why? Because God instituted that on earth. It's law. God's law. See my point? So when God is going to do something here on earth, he always uses a man. For us to come to God, we go through God, man, Jesus Christ. You got it? So this is why when people, when people belittle Jesus, they don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand he's the key. He's the pivot point. He's the one that connects God to man. He's the priest. And now the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. Wow. So when we come to God through Christ, that is the proper way because that's the God-ordained way. 
When we, try, when we try to make our own way, it all falls short. Well, I live good this week. Well, guess what? You're going to mess up next week. Well, I didn't say a curse word this week. Guaranteed. Somebody's going to step on your toy, uh, your toe, and you're going to say something. Or somebody's going to cut you off, and you're going to say something. Right? Because we have that sin nature in us. Oh, we're not all that bad. Excuse me. Haven't you seen what we're capable of as humans? Look around the world. Look at the horrible, heinous things that humans do to each other. Don't be naive. The sin nature is a horrible thing. We always have to watch that. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Only God knows it. But make no mistake about it. We're capable of doing great things and we're capable of doing very terrible things. Just look at this week's news. When we're off base, we can be very terrible. We'll do terrible things. So it says also, trust me in your times of trouble and I will rescue you. I will give you, or rather, and you will give me glory. See, so God is ready to rescue us. So what happened with the prodigal son? The prodigal son went out there and he messed up. And when he was in a mess and when he was broke, busted, disgusted and hungry, he said, you know, in my father's house, there's more than enough. Even his hired help has food enough to spare. I have to go back. I have to go back and I have to ask forgiveness. And I know I'm not worthy to be a son anymore because I messed up bad. I threw everything away. I kicked him to the curb. At least let me come back as one of the hired servants because it's a lot better than what I am doing now. So, but thank God that salvation or his mercy recovers also my potential. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and worn out and carrying too much. Learn to trust and rest in me and I'll recover your life. That's the, in the, it, recover your life. So your life's not over. The potential is still there. If somebody throws a coin away, it's a loss, right? Does it lose its value? No. The next person that picks it up, picks up and recognizes it, says, oh, oh, it's a quarter, man. I save enough of these, I could go on a vacation or something, right? Because it has value. See, just because you're lost doesn't mean you don't have value. God can recover that in one moment. What the enemy took away for years, God can recover in a moment. Restore to you in a moment. Hallelujah. I'll give back to you what you lost in the years when the locusts ate all your crops, the Bible says. The third thing is salvation reconnects me to God. It says anyone who connects to Christ becomes a new person. The past is forgotten. Everything becomes new. God has done it all. He sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. See, so that work on the cross, that is our peace. When we come to God through Christ, we have peace. When he sees us in Christ, he loves us just like he loves Jesus. Wow. So salvation reconnects me to God. So how can I then connect with God? What can I do? How can I connect with his mercy? Well, number one, get fed up with your life. That's what he did. He says, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going back to daddy. In essence, that's what he did. I'm going back home. I, I don't care what he says to me. It's better over there than over here. So you've got to recognize, you know, what am I doing here? I need to reconnect with heavenly father. I need to put him first in my life. So he got fed up. He wasted it all. He got desperate and hungry. And then he finally came to his senses. 
God says in Jeremiah 29, 13, in the Message Bible, it says this, you'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. Wow. So we can find God, but we have to do our best. We have to put it in our hearts. It's not a passing fancy. One of these days, no, that's not when you're going to find God. You put him first, and then you'll find him. He owned up to his sin. When he came to his senses, he says, I have sinned against God and you. We've all sinned. Say to your neighbor, you've sinned too. Because the bottom line is we all sin. All of us, every single one of us. All of us fall short. We have to come to Christ. And he forgives our sin. Once he came to himself, the next thing he did is he offered himself. He said, Father, make me one of your hired servants. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Make me. Do, do something in my life. That's what we have to do to God. God, make me what you want me to be. I need your help. That's the other thing. We're so prideful today. We don't want help from anybody. No, no. Ask him for help because he's willing and he's able. He's waiting for you to ask him for help. Bam. He'll release his Holy Spirit. He'll release his angels. He'll release wisdom. He'll release new strength. Whatever you need, he is ready and able and waiting and willing. Because if you remember, when the son, the lost son, started coming around the block, around the corner, and the, the father saw him from afar. He did not wait him, for him to come to the house. He ran to him, and he had compassion on him, and he hugged him. He was waiting for him all along. God has been waiting for you all along. He's been waiting. He's got a hug for you. He's got a ring for you. He's got clothing for you. He's got an anointing for you, a gifting for you. He's got his expression of love. He, he's, he has to restore you. Make no mistake about it. What the enemy has stolen for years, God can restore back to you in a heartbeat. Hallelujah. What was the father's response? The response was, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion, ran out to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Today, God has a kiss for you. The kiss of a father to a son. The kiss of a father to a daughter. His kiss is waiting. Embrace his goodness. Embrace his love. Embrace what he has for you. We've tried it enough out there. Believe me. Believe me. It's not going to work. Us, left to our own devices, we are a mess. We really are. Just look at the world. Look at politics. These people studied. They went to Yale. They went to Harvard. They can't get it together. And they never will. Because we all fall short. And then forget about the pride and the egos. Forget about the crime that's being perpetrated at the highest levels. I'm talking about big crime. I'm not talking about stealing a stereo. I'm talking about stealing billions of dollars on a global scale, even trillions. That's the heart of man. But with Almighty God, He'll establish, He'll reestablish us. And then He invites us to His home. And we don't miss heaven. Because that's the worst thing. I don't want to miss heaven. I mean, I appreciate all this, but this is transitory. So what's the best thing we could do? Connect with Almighty God. Accept his mercy. Yes. 